Did you know that Radio Vermont Group Digital Services can create videos including drone footage? We've even won awards for our videos. If you'd like to learn more and see examples of our work, go to rvgdigital.com. Radio Vermont Group, we're more than just radio. We're back. I'm Kevin Ellis. It's Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. And our next guest is might be one of the longest-serving public officials uh, I've ever dealt with in Vermont. And he's here to talk about uh, public safety for public officials. His name is Jim Condos, and he is the former Secretary of State for Vermont. Uh, but before we bring him on, I just I want to set the, the stage here. In the weeks before and after the inauguration of President Biden, public officials nationwide came under attack with politicians and their families receiving death threats and violently worded texts and emails. Offices have been vandalized. Uh, people's homes have been targeted by uh, harassment online and by phone. Uh, the, the anger is, you know, it's easy to say that it, it comes from the uh, Trump-based mega wing, uh, but it, but there is some sort of uh, bipartisanship to this, to use a, an inaccurate word. I mean, during the January 6th insurrection, former President, Vice President Mike Pence was called a traitor and a Judas, uh, and they erected a gallows on the Capitol grounds. Um, hundreds have been arrested for their role in the January 6th riot. Here in Vermont and elsewhere, many public officials have been threatened. And oddly, its I don't think it's gotten the attention that uh, it deserves. The week before Christmas, Chittenden County Prosecutor Sarah George and her staff were threatened. Burlington police uh, and others shut down the Costello Courthouse in Burlington, where they where those people work, and escorted them to their cars. They worked at home that Friday. That's just the latest in a long line of threats on the life of Sarah George. Uh, we've invited George on the show. She always accepts, but her court schedule sometimes gets in the way. And uh, if she calls in. We will take her call and ask her about the developments in her case. She told me privately uh, in a text message last night that, uh, as far as she knows, the Burlington police uh, are investigating uh, the situation. They've interviewed uh, the person who made the threat, and so far they have not charged the man with uh, a crime. Uh, We've invited the state police to come on and tell us about their role in investigating these threats. It was a last-minute invite, so... Uh, I'll get Adam Silverman or or the state police uh, uh, leader on the show to talk about their role. It's also worth noting that the Speaker of the House in Vermont, Joe Kowinski, has been threatened. Uh, she's been stalked, and she, like any public official, um, uh, has an open invite to come on the show. I can understand why she wouldn't come on and want to talk about this. It's a it's a harrowing ordeal. Uh, that she's been through, and I think Sarah George has been going through the same thing. But we've got an obligation to confront and discuss these issues. Uh, when does free speech become hate speech and dangerous? When does that speech violate the law? What's happened to our political process that it's suddenly it's suddenly okay to call up a government official and threaten to kill them? Uh, and our next guest knows what that's like. Jim Condos was Vermont Secretary of State from 2011, I think I have that right, to 2023. He was a state senator. 
He was a city council member in South Burlington for many years. I can't think of a better public official to discuss this issue. The pride of Orange, New Jersey, Jim Condos, welcome to the show. <laughs> good, mo- good morning, Kevin. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I, snuck, I snuck that Orange, New Jersey reference in there. Do you like that? Yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I still okay. have a lot of cousins down there. <laughs> <laughs> So let's start. Let's let's. This, this happened to you while you were in office uh, around the elections. Let's start at the thirty thousand foot level. What's going on here? We, we're experiencing a, an increasing number of threats to the lives of public officials in Vermont and around the country. What's going on? I know you follow this closely. Well, I, I think it. I, I think it really is is. Uh... I, I hate to use the word simply, but uh, it's simply a the way our society has has evolved over the last five ten years. Uh, the partisanship on both sides of the aisle, the the uh, uh, you know the the norms that we used to have, the, the courtesy that we used to have, has just been thrown out the window. And um, uh, you know when when you now have candidates that not only um, that, that are denigrating their opponents, and it, it used to be you ran on on what you what you uh, supported, what you uh, is in your background, uh, and, and now it's like uh, it's just a free for all. Say anything you want. Lies don't matter. Uh, it, it's it's uh, uh, you know the facts don't matter. I mean, you as a reporter knows know what I'm talking about. Uh, it used to be, and, and frankly, I think part of this problem is that the media, which I consider to be a very valuable member of our society, uh, has has uh, um, you know their their forces, uh, if you want to call it, their 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 workers, their reporters. Uh, have been diminished, uh, you know, the, the, over time. I mean, look at Vermont. You know, Kevin, firsthand, uh, how many people, how many reporters there used to be in the state house just for that. And and uh, now we're down to just barely a few. Uh, um, and it's it's a lot of this goes. I, I remember as a city councilor in South Burlington, where. Um, it started out, and you know, I'll, I'll use her name. Lisa Scalotti was 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 a reporter for the Burlington Free Press at the time in the early '90s, and and uh, when I was on the city council, and she used to come to city hall two or three times a week to talk to different department heads to find out if there was any stories, and then it progressed, and and over time, the reporters would leave us a note as they were leaving our city council meetings at first 10 o'clock, then they'd leave at nine o'clock and the note would say, call me if anything comes up, I should know about. Um, and it's not our job to call them to let them know it's their job to report and to follow. But in, in any case, I think it's because the deadlines have, have increased. And now we're in this 24 um, seven mindset of, of information uh, that is bombarding us. And, and uh, consequently, you know, and I've said this before on the national level. I was on the the um, 
I work closely with the Department of Homeland Security and, and CISA, uh, the counter, the cyber security uh, wing, um, that, that uh, you know, people were, um, you know, when something is posted, true or false, uh, it it's, can be seen by millions of people within minutes uh, it, it, before it can get taken down. And sometimes, a lot of times, the stuff that we're seeing these days is is untruthful and can be hurtful. Yeah, yeah. So, Jim, tell us about your experience when you were Secretary of State in Vermont. You received these threats. Uh, what was it? You know, first of all, tell us what happened when you were in office. So, um, following the 2020, November 2020 election, um, uh, you know, and I think it's important to recognize that some states, it, it's it's a lengthened time uh, before certification. But here in Vermont, uh, we certify the results. We have our canvas seven days after the election. So Tuesday, the first Tuesday of the month, is is uh election day uh we obviously have the 45 days of election of voting uh up to that point the votes are processed that night the next day uh town clerks across the state um and their staffs are confirming those results uh the the numbers that are reported on election night are strictly unofficial uh, because there are mistakes that are made in the in the reporting of that information, so it, it's uh, but so they certify their results, they file it with our office, we compile them all, and we we have the canvas report, uh, which is the Tuesday after election day, um, in which the members of uh, all three parties and myself uh, are receive the the official results, and then we certify that election. Uh, and depending on the situation, we may have to send some of it up to the legislature for their final okay when they come back in January. But but essentially, that's the certification. After a presidential year, it then has to be sent to, we have to certify the presidential results and send those to uh, the National Archives and, and Congress uh, so that they can do their work to certify the election uh, in January, which is this, the one obviously that everybody knows now is January 6th, um, and and that occurs by uh, December 15th. Uh, but in between, we received at least three um, uh, threats via the phone. Um, they came into our main line and then were forwarded to the election line. Uh, one of my uh, one of the election uh, staff received those threats, uh, and we immediately reported it to law enforcement. We had a system set up in, with uh, federal and state partners in case there were any problems. Uh, we immediately reported it. The FBI uh, started their uh, investigation. The state police started their investigation. Uh, the state's attorneys were involved. State attorney from Washington County was involved. Uh, so there's a lot of moving parts here that, uh, uh, you know, started. But but anyway, between November 22nd and December 1st, we received those three messages. Uh, they all came from the same person, and we had a phone number on there. 
Uh, we were told that it was essentially untraceable. Um, and, and some of the comments, I mean, I'm sure uh, if anybody wants to see it, they can go, they can go to uh, Reuters uh, Campaign of Fear article written by Linda So, um, a reporter. Uh, and, you know, one of the things is, one of the comments was, your days are effing numbered. All you dirty black blank are about to get effing popped. Um, uh, those are the kinds of threats we were receiving. Uh, and, you know, the person said, I guarantee it. Um, it, it there was a lot of expletives in this message, these messages. Um, and in any case, you know, it eventually was decided that they couldn't do anything with it because, first of all, the phone was untraceable. Secondly, our laws are not real. They don't have bright lines in it for with regard to free speech and, and what's considered a, a, an impending threat. Um, and uh, so there were there was a lot of moving parts here, but that was just our office. I can tell you, Kevin, that uh that the uh, secretaries of state across the country, both Republican and Democrat, had received threats because of the results of that election. And, um, for instance, I know that the Colorado secretary of state and the Michigan secretary of state uh, both had 24-hour state police security uh, for a period of time uh, as the threats were considered real. Um, it, it was it was really demoralizing. And then I also received a phone call in the middle of the night, like one thirty in the morning. And I had no idea whether that person was sitting outside the door, uh, you know, or whatever, but uh, I was getting, this guy was really yelling and screaming and uh, insisting, you know, that I'm, I'm a bad guy and all this stuff, but this is what we're facing these days. And it's now developed where it's not just secretaries of state's post-election. It's the state's attorneys, you know, uh, are receiving and their staffs. Um, really, what really bothers me is these are people who are have worked for the state of Vermont, worked for the, for the citizens of Vermont that are just doing their jobs to complete their work. And this is not... I get it when I when I run ran for election and won, you know I'm a certain kind of target, but not for this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the public safety of of uh, public officials who serve in government. Uh, the, the a Reuters report found at least 850 uh, instances of threats to the safety and lives of public officials across the country. And I and it has now come to Vermont uh, most most visibly in the threat to the lives of Chittenden County State's Attorney Sarah George and her staff, who were uh, uh, the courthouse was shut down before Christmas. Uh, they were escorted to their cars and they were told to work from home the next day. Uh, heck of a Christmas present, Jim uh, Condos. We are now. On our way to the 2024 election, is and, and as I said last week on the show, it is going to be a doozy. And I, you know, you've got Trump and all of the criminal charges, and now you've got your former colleagues, secretaries of state around the country. 
grappling with this issue of whether Trump should be on the ballot in uh, in those states in 2024. Uh, the main secretary of state has said uh, that he will not be on the ballot. That's being appealed. The Colorado Supreme Court has thrown him off the ballot. Uh, the Michigan and California secretaries of state have said that he will be on the ballot. And I believe your successor, Sarah Copeland Hansis, has said he will be on the ballot in Vermont. So as we approach that issue, I suspect that these threats are going to continue and grow, but I, I don't want to speculate out of turn. What's your feeling about that? Well, I, I think I think you're right. It, it, they will continue. This is going to be a very contentious year. Uh, and <laughs> buckle up your seatbelts, folks, because we're we're you know the the election is off and running now, and uh, for sure. Uh, but uh, you know we have I think it's about two weeks till the Iowa caucuses, and then that followed by the uh, New Hampshire primary, uh, and then I think it's North Carolina or South Carolina. I think South Carolina, I guess. Uh, but yeah. you know, it's it, it, in a very short time, about a month. We're gonna uh, we'll have had three primary or caucuses that are completed. Uh, we'll have a better uh, look at what's going to happen. But I, but I do think it's going to be contentious. You know, and and frankly, there are some of these candidates are already, if you want to say, laying the groundwork that the election will be stolen next next November. Um, and, and you know, I, it, it's again, it's without any um, proof. It's uh, you know that that uh, these charges are being made. Um, I, I just I, I just question um, why we've gotten to this point, other than the fact that we've just thrown everything out the window as far as uh, societal norms and and. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really problematic. And, 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 you know, these are people's lives. I mean, we have lost across the country. I forget what the number is, uh, but it's like one third of all election officials, local, state and federal, uh, have either retired or resigned or, or moved to another office of some kind, uh, because they just don't want to be involved in this anymore. It's, it's uh, it, it is demoralizing. It is you know we had a, a staffer that uh, ended up receiving counseling. Uh, so it, you know it's this is you know I, I think the Republican Secretary of State in Georgia and his lead um, uh, election official uh, you know basically said someone's going to get hurt and it's got to stop. And and you know I I don't know what the answer is. Uh, I do know that um, many times, Kevin, as you know, the the um, the laws can't answer every instance of an issue, uh, and sometimes there are either gray lines or no lines between you know what's going on, and that's the situation here because you're talking about free speech versus. Uh, threats and you know someone can say oh there's a fire in the theater but you can't yell fire in the theater and and uh you know i think the 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 question is how are we going to fix this problem and i i really do think it it needs to be done 
and I have spoken to many people uh, in Congress um, on both sides of the aisle. Uh, I've sat down with them and talked about how uh, we need we need really a national solution to this. It can't be a state by state solution, but that's what we're left with at this point because we've got a Congress that just basically can't function. So, uh, Jim, what's the status of the Vermont law with regard to this issue? There were some changes made, um, not last year, but the year before, um, to try to strengthen it. They worked with uh, the Washington County uh, uh, State's Attorney um, uh, and uh, in the State's Attorney's Office, but but I think um, there was there was reluctance to go too far, uh, and I you know I think there was some help put in place, but not not enough. That there needs to be a brighter line between what is a threat and what isn't a threat. And and uh, um, when someone tells you that you're going to get popped, I guarantee it. Um, is that a threat? <laughs> you know, especially if you re- listen to the. 30 seconds before that of, of recordings. We, by the way, we had all, all the recordings were, were um, um, we kept them. Um, and I do know that the Reuters article, Campaign of Fear, um, was, uh, has them there. You can actually listen to the, to the threats that we received. Um, but it's, you know, this is going on around the country. I've received text messages that, that were, um, that were threatening. I've received, you know, voicemails. Uh, you know, it, this is, it, 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 I've got a thick skin. For me, it's, it's pretty easy, but I have a lot of staff that are just um, doing their jobs. That's all they're doing is doing their jobs to manage and, and run the elections in the state of Vermont. And they don't deserve to be uh, uh, threatened in any way. Yeah. Yeah. And and now it's gone beyond elections. Uh, I mean, the Sarah George experience, uh, the Jill Krowinski experience, these are these are people just doing their jobs. And sure, we can disagree on on their positions on whatever issue. But uh, boy, when you start threatening, you know, prosecutors, defense lawyers and others. And I you know, you go back to Lara Sobel, who was uh, killed in central Vermont because of her job as a, as a DCF worker. Uh, it's, you know, and, and 2024, this is gonna, you know, we're just going to have to keep talking about this so that the people who would resort to this are sort of shamed into behaving better. I, I, you're right. It's, it's, uh, crafting new laws around speech is a very dicey business. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take it. It's not just um, law enforcement from the standpoint of secu- um, uh, state's attorneys or you know, defense attorneys or whatever. It's the judges themselves and their staff are being, uh, 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 you know, um, threatened. And, you know, this, this whole idea of uh, one of the, the best ways that, that the, the, people who threaten are getting at people is to post their 
their a picture of their house or post a picture of or, or post a, their address or their phone number on on you know social media so that everybody can see it. Uh, and and this just you know there are a lot of people out there that yeah. uh, need some help. You know it's it's tempting. It's tempting, and I, I know this, I do this myself, to, to diminish uh, the threat here to say, oh, it's just a bunch of kooks. Uh, they've, the, the, the kooks have been all, always been out there. Uh, but, you know, you need to look no further than, say, the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, who, uh, who's, you know, whose uh, weekend house was – uh, staked out by right-wing militia members uh, who were with guns, who were planning to kidnap the governor and uh, in some instances kill her or hold her hostage or some such you know, ridiculous conspiracy uh, based on what, who knows. But you know, that was a threat to that governor's life. Uh, this is going on with secretaries of state now. And Jim Condos, do you uh, do you put this at the feet of of the internet and the way the internet has changed our society and made us all feel like we can jump on Twitter and say whatever we want, or is do you put some of the responsibility at the feet of Trump for his unwillingness to to sort of adhere to normal? political behavior or both? Uh, I think it's all of the above. I think, I, I, I think certainly um, the, the internet, I mean, Kevin, who would have thought, you know, 20 years ago, how easy it would be to post something online? Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's gotten uh, th- this whole argument about, uh, from from government officials, this is where I've been critical uh, in my role as as uh, uh, pushing forward transparency. Uh, you know, we were one of the roadblocks that we kept running into were officials saying, "Well, it takes a lot of time to uh, post a, a document on online." Well, it doesn't anymore. It, it used to, uh, and and at one time. Go back to the days when we actually wrote out the documents by hand. Then we progressed to um, uh, typewriters, and and then we progressed uh, to computers. Uh, and and now it's just point click and it's up uh, almost immediately, almost instantaneously. So it's 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 really changed. It's gotten much easier to put stuff up, uh, and sometimes the stuff that gets put up is is not truthful. Uh, it's misinformation. It's disinformation. Um, and and then when you try to fight the disinformation, uh, you get you get charged with um, you know that that uh, uh, your anti your anti uh, transparency. Uh, you know, it's, so it's just it's just this constant free for all. Uh, and and a lot of times there's nothing to back up the information that's being posted. The information that's being said, um, uh, it, it used to be, I mean, there was a time, Kevin, and I know you were one of them, uh, who, you know, when someone said something, you would go 
fact check them before you would post it. Uh, there was a time where reporters' <laughs> yeah. articles were fact checked completely before they were posted. Um, I, you know, as a as someone who was involved in communications at a, at a major company, uh, I would write press releases, and you know, someone would look it over. Someone other than me would look it over to say, "Okay, where did this number come from? Where did that number come from? How did you get this?" Uh, uh, point, and you had to prove what you were saying. Uh, that no longer exists because we're we're in this immediate information society that that exists today, um, and uh, you know people just want to get stuff out there as quickly as possible. You know, and Jim, and there's there's another piece that affects people who serve in government, and that is. Uh, when, when your life is threatened or when your safety is threatened, it is, it, it, it is a traumatic experience. Uh, describe, you know, what you and others went through when being threatened, and, you know, emotionally, literally the basics of, you know, I've, I've received this threat. Now I've got to go home and make dinner. Uh, and you're thinking about it on the drive home. You're thinking about it at night. You're not sleeping it really takes a toll on people. And I think we forget that. No, absolutely. And, and I mean, I can't tell you after we got these threats, um, you know, I, I asked our staff to potentially park as close to the building as possible to, we actually added uh, cameras around the building so that, you know, the parking lot was uh, uh, able to be seen uh, on, on, we added security around uh, uh, 128 state, uh, where the office is, um, to, to ensure that things that we, that we had the things in place that we needed to protect our staffs. But, but you're right. I mean, you used to walk out to your car, kind of looking over your shoulder to see if there was someone out there. And especially, you know, <laughs> when you work till four 30 or five o'clock or five 30 at night, uh, here in Vermont, it's dark in six months of yeah. the year. So, um, you know, you, you're walking out, you come out the, the door. I know there were times where I would look out the door first before I would actually walk out the door onto the porch. Um, and, and, and the same thing goes when you're, when you're home, you know, do you, is there, is there a car parked outside your house that you've not seen before? What's it doing there? Uh, you know, the phone calls that come in, like I said, I had this one threatening call that came in at, one thirty in the morning. Um, you know, these are the kinds of things that, you, and you don't know where that person is. That's the other thing. If, if you get those calls, you don't know where the person, the person could be right outside your front door. Could be, uh, it could be a thousand miles away, but you don't know that. Uh, so it's, it, it really becomes um, problematic uh, to your psyche. Uh, to, it's, it's, uh, uh, some people, um, have difficulty with it. Uh, there's no question. And, uh, some people may need counseling. It's just, it, it's, you know, I always used to tell the staff that this is not about you. This is about me. You know, let me take the, the blame for it. But, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, uh, it, it doesn't help the, it doesn't help the, the state worker, uh, who's just doing their jobs. And, and that's the, I guess that's the problem. They're they're not paid enough to to take that kind of abuse. Yeah, I 
I, I'm I'm looking at my uh, text messages. I just got a text from Sarah George who said she she couldn't join us on the show today because she's stuck in court. But uh, she she's she's thanking us for talking about this because she thinks it needs to be talked about. Jim, before we uh, before we let you go, I wonder if we could get you on the subject of Trump on the ballot. Uh, this this there's this slow rollout of of the issue of whether Trump could be on the ballot. We've got decisions in Colorado, Maine, and Michigan, California. Some are yes, some are no. It's going to be appealed. Uh, and every everybody on both sides of the aisle that I can that I'm reading about are saying that the U.S. Supreme Court needs to deal with this just to set the stage. The 14th Amendment has a section in it that says that anybody who uh, was part of an insurrection cannot uh, serve in federal office. Um, Can you put your secretary of state's hat back on and tell us how you might be dealing with this? Um, Sure. I I, I, first of all, the the the, uh, federal government has has basically said States run the elections, the federal elections, but that Congress does have the final say, uh, and they can make laws, uh, changes to the laws as necessary. But I, I, I do think it's, it's, um, it, 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 there are certain things that I think in our elections area that should be, um, if you want to call it nationalized, it should be, it should be the same for everybody, um, and. Uh, you know, th- there are differences depending on how you get on your ballot. And, and I think Secretary of State Copeland Hans has, has rightfully said that the Vermont law does not allow for the president to be taken off, uh, the, uh, the former president to be taken off the ballot uh, for insurrection, um, uh, according to Amendment uh, 14. Uh, it's, it's really about you know, in Vermont, the law says, and I actually was talking to a constitutional officer about this. The law says that that you shall place the name the name of a candidate shall be placed on the ballot if they meet the following criteria, and the criteria are the number of signatures needed, uh, the filing fee, which uh, only the presidential candidates have to file a filing fee and the consent form. And if they submit those three things, the secretary of state in Vermont shall place that name in on the ballot. We don't review whether they're 35 years old. We don't, that's all going to be done by Congress uh, at a later date. Uh, What we do is we just place that name according to our law, but in other States it's, it's set up, it may be set up differently. So that, that I think is why we do need Congress. Uh, I, I actually said when this first came up, when I was first approached about this, about whether I would help with it, I said, well, you know, you have to understand, I think ultimately this is going to be uh, a court decision on, you know, how this amendment uh, is, is uh, implemented. Um, and, and I think technically it probably needs to go to the Supreme Court. Uh, the only difference, I think, and I just saw a thing this morning, um, and I forget who it was, but uh, there was a, a legal analyst that was talking about uh, his, his view of 
how this will weigh out is is this is we'll probably get a decision from the um, court, uh, the D.C. court, federal court, uh, relatively quickly, um, probably sooner than than the um, Supreme Court, and then that decision will be appealed to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court may or may not take it up, and if they if if they don't take it up, that means that the, the federal court uh, decision stands. If they do take it up, then they're going to just look at it uh, and make a final determination. So I, I do think, you know, it's ultimately going to be a, a, a Supreme Court or federal court uh, decision. Um, but, I, you know, I, I have no way of knowing what they're going to do. And last question before we let you go. Uh, what is your advice to vote, to all of us? As we approach this election, what's the best way to be a responsible citizen, a responsible voter, uh, and and to to try to parse out all the conspiracy theories and all the junk out there, and do your job as a citizen? What's what's the best way for us to go about that? Well, first let me let me give you a quote from John Lewis, uh, former Representative John Lewis: "The vote is precious. It is the most powerful." nonviolent tool we have in a democratic society and we must use it. And I'll just end by saying your vote is your voice. Everyone should be registered and then go out and exercise uh, your opportunity to cast a ballot. Uh, Here in Vermont, we've made it very simple for people to be able to register and vote. Uh, And I think that, uh, um, you know, you should be able to feel confident that the vote is counted here in Vermont and across the country. I I think we've gotten much better. You know, part of this, I know we don't have a lot of time left, but but there's a lot of talk out there about hand counting votes. Hand counting of votes is not the most accurate way. Believe it or not, the tabulator votes are, and it's been shown over and over again that tabulator votes are the most accurate. Um, we, we, you know, we actually had, as you might remember, Kevin, in 2006, we had the Randy Brock and, and uh, Tom Salmon uh, state auditor race on, on election night. It was viewed or it was seen that uh, um, Randy Brock won the election by about 100 and, I don't know, 40, 50 votes. Uh, and then Tom Salmon asked for a recount. And after the recount of a quarter million of ballots, uh, it was it was completely flipped, and it came down to uh, I wasn't Secretary of State at the time, but it came down to um, fifteen hand count towns that had made errors, uh, and and that's where the errors were, uh, and it was really a transposition error, uh, but but uh, it was an error on on the hand count side, um, hand count. People are tired. Their eyes play tricks on them when they're when they're looking at votes. When you're looking at ballots, in and out for hours, and um, it, it, your eyes play play do funny things to you. And uh, it, it you know the the hand the tabulators that are in place now are so far so sophisticated that they all they're doing is looking at the ballots and counting the the ovals. Or the the uh, uh, each of the candidates that are there, and 
and then it gives you a report at the end. You still have, like in Vermont uh, and about 40 other states, we have the paper ballots if necessary to go back to, but they're they're here. Uh, the systems are secure, um, and um, you know we you know since since 2016 we're even more secure. Okay. On that note, we're going to let you go. Jim Condos, former Secretary of State, thank you uh, so much. We're going to stay on this issue because, and follow it. Uh, we got to talk to the state police and the Burlington police about all this and where what their role is. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you. We're back. And we have a couple of minutes to fit in a call. If you want to call us, uh, 244-1777. Uh, I... I am looking forward to our show on Friday when we'll talk about the legislature and uh, review the week's news. Um, uh, You you should know that a coalition of Montpelier and Barry legislators plans to introduce, according to VT Digger, an omnibus flood relief bill that would provide $85 million in tax relief, business grants, and funding for mitigation and preparedness efforts following last summer's devastating flooding. Those legislators uh, are Peter Anthony of Barry City, Connor Casey of Montpelier, Kate McCann from Montpelier, and Jonathan Williams from Barry City. They plan to host a rally on the Vermont State House steps on Wednesday, which is today. <laughs> Sorry, I'm reading. Uh, they've got a 22-page bill that uh, has all sorts of specific measures to central Vermont. Uh, and Casey said that... Uh, started off this effort as a sort of a way to step in and address some of the regional concerns that might not necessarily be addressed by any one piece of legislation. Uh, I'll give Connor a call and try to get him on the show. Uh, maybe Peter Anthony will join him. Um, so that's a, that's a major, that's a major issue. That's going to uh, flood relief uh, and, and climate resilience, uh, Jason Malucci, the governor's spokesperson, said the governor has not yet reviewed the proposal, but uh, the governor is, well, here's the quote from Malucci. The governor is committed to leveraging federal funding and available state resources to support victims of the summer flooding while preparing for future disasters. I mean, we're going to have a uh, a standoff here between the governor and the legislature. The legislature is going to want to spend big money on flood relief and uh, flood resilience uh, going forward. Pretty clear the governor uh, agrees with that. The question's going to be on the number. How much, how much money is the governor willing to spend on this? Uh, the governor has made his political bones out of, out of being the budgetary backstop to uh, a legislature that has become more and more progressive and more and more willing to spend dollars uh, on uh, things like flood relief. Uh, the governor, uh, as I said, agrees with a lot of this, but uh, you know he's always seen himself as the backstop to spending by the legislature. So, you know, we may have four months of debate about this. Uh, a lot of the devil's going to be in the details. So. Uh, we're going to see. We're going to talk about that on Friday. Our guest will be Tom Steven. Uh, he is the representative from Water, one of two representatives from Waterbury. He'll be on the first hour, and then in uh, 
and then we'll talk to Bob Nay in Washington, D.C. Uh, we'll talk to a reporter from Seven Days, and then we're going to talk to the newest candidate for governor. Uh, she has announced, or she's announcing, I believe, today, and um, I'm going to get it here. Her name is Esther Charleston, and she is a Democrat, and she's announcing uh, on January 5th, so that would be Thursday. So uh, we're going to have her on the show in the 1030 hour. So that's our show for today. My thanks to our guests, Janelle Smith and Jim Condos. I'm always looking for guests who will provoke us, inform us, and challenge us. So please send me your suggestions or hit me up on Twitter or email me at vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. Our goal is to illuminate and inform and have some fun along the way. Remember, you can stream the show live or listen later as a podcast at WDEVradio.com anytime, anywhere. As always, we'll talk politics, media, and the culture here in Vermont and everything else on my mind and yours. Reminder, I'm here Wednesdays and Fridays. Right now, I'm broadcasting remotely from California, thanks to the folks at W at KWMR. I always get that wrong. In Point Race Station, California. You can always find me at kevinkellis.com. Subscribe to my weekly newsletter called Conflict of Interest. Got a lot going on with my personal podcast, also called Conflict of Interest. Got some big projects coming up in 2024. Our show is produced by me, engineered and made possible by Brent Curtis, Danny McGivergan, Lee Cattell, Greg Titus, and all the folks at WDEV. My thanks also to the team at WKMR Community Radio and Point Ray Station, California. We're going to have some California. We'll do a California show probably next week, uh, and have we're going to talk to the folks here at KWMR about community radio and its importance in this community out here. Uh, so stay tuned for that. We'll also be talking agriculture, uh, history, and other things about California. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. I'm Kevin Ellis. We'll see you right back here on Friday to review the week's news, the first week of the legislature, and talk to a newly announced candidate for governor. So wherever you are, wherever you join us, uh, join me Friday. And uh, thanks for joining us. And thanks to everybody at WDEV. We'll see you Friday right here on Vermont Viewpoint Live Radio on the friendly pioneer WDEV.